A busy week so far uh, this this week this weekend, and uh, to talk about a topic that is going to become definitely more of a part of the conversation for Knicks fans as this basketball season moves along, uh, namely draft prospects. Uh, we have here with us again joining us uh, the front office eye, our own Spencer Perlman. Spencer, how the hell you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I am okay. So uh, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording, and and we're recording this just so everybody knows on Saturday afternoon. And I just let Spencer know that I had decided to take a nap uh, because I'm old. And when I woke up from my nap, uh, Jimmy Butler had been traded to the Sixers. Uh, so before we get to uh, talking about the college prospects, is there any uh, 15-second hot take on the, the Butler deal that you want to give? I'm sad that the Sixers had to give up Robert Covington because I love him, and I think he's unbelievably valuable, and I can see why Thibodeau wanted him, and Philly is now, I mean, like the amount of trolling but Butler and JoJo are going to be doing throughout the entire season, in addition to winning, <laughs> is going to be fun to watch. This is very true. Um, I fear slightly for Markel Fultz's uh, mental That's health. Easy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> physical health, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, look. I think it's a, a fair deal given the circumstances. Whether or not Minnesota could have ever actually had um, Josh Richardson, I, I think if they could have had him, and, and this is what they got, and I love uh, Rocco. But uh, he ain't Josh Richardson, at least in my eyes. You may you may feel differently. Um, okay, so let's get to talking about what we're here to talk about, which is some college guys. Uh, it's never too early to begin thinking about where the the ping pong balls will bounce uh, come mid May. So let's start with this: the perception out there, and before we'll get to the individual guys in a minute. The perception out there seems to be that this is a very top-heavy draft and that the the top that I'm referring to is the three Duke guys and then um, Nasir Little. Is that a correct assessment or, or do you go a different way? I think those guys are definitely the cream of the crop uh, from like a long-term potential perspective and also, uh, I guess, year one. Although maybe year one, Reddish is probably a step below just because of his confidence and I mean, people complain that Kevin Knox would float in and out of games last year. Cam Reddish did it all through high school. and I mean, he didn't do it in the first game we've seen so far, so it's definitely something to watch. Um, but, I mean, even you know the guys 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, just on Tankathon and uh, a few of the other mock drafts I've seen, they're not bad players at all. Um, they're just not the – I mean, I think Zion, RJ, Cam, and Nas, I think those guys are like – potential all-stars, um, franchise cornerstones, whereas I think the guys below are probably a step below that. Okay, and I think that's actually a good way to put it because I feel like around around draft time or as we're talking about prospects, there's that 
you know, there's like the LeBron James level of player. Well, bad example because no one's like LeBron. But, you know, the once yeah. every couple of years guy who is a, a franchise changer. Then there's your, you know, possible slash probable uh, multi-time all-star type players. And then there's your, you know, your solid starter level. So would you say that those four guys, and we'll we'll get into whether you think any of them could elevate to that top, top level, are they all in that, you know, probably going to make a few all-star teams type of range? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think those guys are definitely there. Okay. So uh, we have the three Duke guys, and then we have Little. So why don't we start at Duke? Um, I'm going to let let us start this way, because... David Fisdale always talks about positionless basketball, um, you know, and which is interesting because there there is a guy, well, in my opinion, and I think your opinion too, there's one guy on the Knicks currently that has one true position long-term, and that's Christophs Porzingis, and that mm-hmm. position is center, um, <clears throat> but we, we don't have to get into that right now. Given Fisdale's penchant for guys that could play at different spots on the floor, of the three Duke guys, who do you think most fits that qualification as far as being most positionless? Most positionless, I think, is Cam. Okay, Uh, and you're talking about Cam Reddish, and why is that? He has the size of a small forward. I mean, now I guess it's the the size of of even some power forwards. He's 6'9", he's... You know, two fifteen, which would be in the smaller side for a power forward, but he can he can handle and he can start offenses and see the court like point guards. So from a positionless perspective, he you can play him at the one through four and really not have any issue, I don't think, on either side of the ball. Um when you say that he could handle the ball, are we we're not talking like a, a Ben Simmons level. Uh, are we talking like a notch below that? Um yeah, I I mean Simmons is special. Um, I'd put him maybe on like the Iguodala level, and I think that's also a special level. But Cam's vision is—it's like pretty damn special. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, I've seen comparisons. People are saying it's like a young Tracy McGrady, and I think that's a very lofty expectation. But I can see where they're coming from because T Mac had the vision, and I think Doc Rivers actually once said that, um, like he's one of the most gifted passers he's ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah. I mean, that's definitely a lofty comparison. It on so Cam Reddish. My understanding is his biggest strength, at least what we're going to see during the college season, um, in addition to the vision that you talk about, is his shooting. Um, is that accurate? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty accurate. His shooting. So the form's not perfect. It, it, when I saw him back at the Jordan Classic, I actually saw him live. And when he was shooting before the game, it seemed like every other shot, the form was slightly different. Whether his elbow might have been flaring out a little bit, you know, his footwork, it wasn't, it just wasn't consistent. Um, the release point was slightly different, but something always seemed off. And on all the, uh, the catch and shoot attempts he had in game one, I think there were, I think there were seven of them. And then he had the one pull up from three. It all looked exactly the same. So if he is locked in from a form perspective, then shooting is probably his second biggest um, strength. And so if the shooting progresses on, let's say, you know, a somewhat linear um, plane here, is it possible that we're looking at someone who could be 
you know, like a game sh- game changing shooter at the next level, like a la obviously Durant is the best example at that size, but you know, someone who could kind of bend a defense just by his gravitational pull. Yeah, I can definitely see him hitting that thirty seven, thirty eight percent mark on eight attempts or so. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean Durant's Durant and I mean, if he hits 40%, if Cam's hitting 40% of his shots from three, then he's probably just taking smaller volume, and I'd rather him take one or two more and hit at a lower clip just because he's probably making a little bit more per game just because the statistics and how that would work. Um, But I can easily see him hitting – not easily. I can – if the shooting progresses how I think it will, I can see him hitting that high 30s mark on good volume. Okay. Um is there so i guess the the next logical point to go with cam and then we'll move on is this zion is in everybody's top three probably everybody's top two rj barrett seems to be pretty much in everybody's top two or three um nasir little seems to be in everybody's i don't know top five ish cam is a guy that you see being talked about as if someone's going to fall out of that top level it's going to be him why is that consistency i think that's uh, from a talent perspective, I actually think he's the most talented of the three Duke guys because he can literally do it all on the court on both ends. Um, it's just him, his mindset, and whether or not he's zoned in on maybe not every play, but you know, the vast majority of them. Is this like a Kevin Knox at Kentucky last year type of thing? Yeah, only I'm a little bit more worried about Cam because I think Duke's roster allows him to zone out a little bit more and. Um, I think Cam did this more during high school in AAU than Knox did before reaching Kentucky. Hmm. Okay. So let's move on to the other two Duke guys, and uh, let's let's say this: between Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, uh, who do you think has the higher ceiling of those two? Zion. Okay. <laughs> I don't. What? that's a question i think out of so i think cam is the most talented i think zion might have the highest ceiling if uh, i'm not sure that makes sense when i say it out loud but in my head i can like make it make sense okay so can you explain how you can make it make sense because i think that's a great point so he's i mean he's 6'6 he's listed at what 283 now which would make him the second heaviest player in basketball he is just think i want everybody listening if if you're not familiar with this kid to think about that for a second he is the height of you know he's like michael jordan's height and he he might be the second heaviest guy in the game let that sink in anyway he's not even like like there's very little fat on his bones it looks like um I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see when the measurements come out during the draft if he partakes in that. But he is the freakiest of freak athletes in terms of vertical I have ever seen in my life. Like pound for pound, I think he's the best vertical explosive athlete I've ever seen. Um, Wow. Okay. Yeah. And a guy with that kind of downward momentum, like if he's going north-south, you are not stopping him unless if you are basically tackling him. Uh, (laughs) And then when you combine that with – like his jump shot is improving. He still needs a lot of work. And I think his issue there is form, just completely form. Um, but if he gets that jumper down to, I mean, for him, I guess maybe low 30s would be a pretty good 
um, expectation level. Like that's what he should be aiming for. If he gets that, you combine that with the rebounding, with his defensive versatility, which that needs to show more a little bit during games, but it's going to be hard for that to happen in college. But you know, he's quick. He can definitely switch on to smaller players for possessions at a time, and then he has the strength to battle with anyone in the NBA. And we had PJ Tucker playing the five last year in the Western Conference Finals. So why can't Zion do that and be a you know a secondary or maybe even a primary playmaker on the other end? So I mean that's that's kind of why I guess I was surprised that when I asked you about the positionless thing you went with you went with Cam because to me Zion's a guy that it, it sounds like what you're saying is he could play one through five on defense and do a little bit of ball handling on offense. Is that fair to say? Yep, but I don't think he has like so cam i can actually see him guarding the one through four on a consistent basis fours being like the smaller end of them okay i mean if you're playing it's a pj tucker at a five cam can do that also um zion i think defensively he is for like you really want him only as a four um his lack of length like that can be mitigated with his vertical you know with explosivity in the rim and around the rim area so i think he'll he won't be a great rim protector, but I think he can sort sort of overcome that. Um, I don't think he has a lateral quickness to defend threes, twos, or ones on a consistent basis. I mean, like if you're playing in a switching defense or if somehow he gets caught in a mismatch, if you want to switch that, he can do that. But I don't want to see someone his size or even if he loses 25 pounds, 30 pounds, which I think he will over time. I don't want to see someone his size chasing, you know, a Paul George around uh, double screens in the baseline or <laughs> – I mean, imagine him trying to guard, uh, like, even John Wall. And, I mean, maybe not John Wall this year. With, <laughs> I was about to say, it's a bad example this year. Like, Ish Smith is insanely quick. I'm not going to have Zion defend Ish Smith for multiple possessions. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, well, in terms of the weight, you brought it up. I think, pretty sure Zion weighed in at, like, two. 60s 265 at at McDonald's and then he's put on I guess you know about 20 pounds since then yeah I mean I don't think it pays much it it does us any good to sit here and talk about his weight because you know he hasn't had pro trainers he's not going to get access to that until he's obviously with an NBA team so that to me doesn't doesn't worry me as much as I, I I guess just the jump shot um if he had a consistent jumper I mean is he the best like wing or guard prospect since LeBron, like if, if he magically had a great jumper. So sorry, who was that for a sec? I zoned out. That's okay. So Zion, if, if he, um, if the jumper wasn't a concern at all and he had like, uh, you know, let's say for argument's sake, a, a Cam Reddish level jumper, are we talking about the best guard or wing prospect since LeBron James? Is Would he be at that level? I think he'd be close. I mean, I'd probably still have Doncic above him and I mean, hindsight i guess simmons too but he'd be really 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 close just because the size of like you can't combine he's he's made in a lab he looks like he was just made in a lab by a whole bunch of doctors <laughs> said let's make the freakiest of freak athletes who has basketball skill and see what happens uh that's awesome uh so then on that note why don't we move over to the last duke guy which is rj barrett so rj barrett again correct me if i'm wrong he doesn't have the kind of, like that level of freaky athleticism, um, and maybe is if Zion has 
the highest upside and Cam has the most talent, is R.J. Barrett the safest of the three? Uh, I mean, I think Zion still might be the safest just because even if he doesn't develop a jumper, he's still like he's still a good playmaker. He'll still rebound and he'll still finish, you know, at the top of the league in the paint. So let me ask it this way. Is is there any argument in your mind, at least, for uh, R.J. Barrett being higher, at least on the Knicks board, than Zion Williamson? Yes. Um, if you're starting Frank at point guard, you really want someone who's going to be in attack mode at an off guard. And I think that is R.J. Barrett. Like, for better and for worse, his foot is always in the pedal. Um I mean, there are definitely issues that come with that because he doesn't, he has good vision and he's definitely a good passer, but he doesn't always see the court how he should. Like, he, he's very shot happy, which for the Knicks, again, you're playing next to someone like Frank, who's a little bit more tentative with shooting the ball. I think that's a good match. Um, but, and, and I guess Kevin Knox also because the jury's still out on what type of player he's going to be. But I actually think RJ might be the most, I think he's probably like the least the least flexible, least fittable, is that a word, player? Sure, why not? <laughs> like, I think Cam slots in perfectly. I think Zion slots in perfectly at the four next to KP at the five. And I think RJ fits, but I'm not as high on him as I, I think many other people are. Um, and I'm okay with that. So RJ is a straight shooting guard, correct? Yeah, I mean, he's a shooting guard with the – he's a wing. I mean, he's a 2-3. Okay. Yeah. And Zion, ideal starting position at the next level, like you already said, probably a four. Um, Cam Reddish, ideally, would be a three. So we kind of have one guy for for each spot. Um, what is what's RJ Barrett's greatest strength? Would you say just because just before we talk about the the fit for these three guys with the Knicks? Uh, so his greatest skill would be his ability to get into the paint. Okay. Like he is he's not slippery. He is strong. Uh, he is very strong. He has very good balance. He takes like strong and long steps into the paint, and that really throws off the defense, as we see every game with the Rockets play, uh, with James Harden and Giannis with those freakishly long steps. Um, RJ's ability to get into the paint, I think, is is the best in the draft from a win perspective. And then he's a winner. Like he will do whatever it takes to win the game. Uh, for better and for worse. Like sometimes he'll shoot a little bit too much, but he has a killer mentality that I think anyone could easily fall in love with. So it's, it's interesting to me because to me, when I think about the Knicks moving forward and, you know, we've talked about this, I've talked about this in articles and on podcasts. Uh, I see Tim Hardaway Jr.'s future as either someone who the Knicks will uh, trade and get rid of his salary or someone who will come off the bench. I don't, I just I don't think um, a team could operate at a championship level defense if he is on the floor or at least as as one of your starters who's who's playing those kind of minutes. Um, so with that, to me, Barrett and and also given Frank's, um, while I'm obviously very high on on Frank's ceiling, given his hesitancy at least thus far to get into the paint. It would seem to me that Barrett might be the best fit on the Knicks, but do you you sound to you seem to think it's Cam. I think it's Cam and Zion tied, just because like Cam can still get into the paint, he still can, and RJ's lack of burst actually scares me a good amount, even with his strength, because 
players in the NBA are obviously a lot stronger. Um, I mean, I can I can see why anyone can make an argument. Like, I think there's a very easy argument for RJ Barrett being a very good fit next to Frank. Um, I just personally, I like Cam and Zion more. Okay. So do you think, so let's just say in a, a perfect world, Kevin Knox develops over the course of this year, as I'm sure the Knicks expect him to. KP comes back. He looks healthy. Mitch Robinson kind of appears to be the guy that, you know, again, some fans seem to think that he's going to be, even though we really haven't seen it for that long yet. Is your, I guess, what's your ideal endpoint? Is it, I guess, Mitch coming off the bench uh, and KP starting at the five? Do we think if the Knicks draft either Zion or Cam, if they get that lucky, that those guys are coming off the bench and it's Knox, KP, Mitch? Is Knox coming off the bench? Like, how do you see this playing out if they get one of these two guys? I'm going to put on my Knicks hat uh, pretty quickly, and then I'll get back to reality for a sec. But <laughs> We don't live in reality, uh, Spencer. <laughs> we live in, in Knicks fantasy land. You don't know that yet? Nah. Um, I'd love to see Zion at the four, and then if somehow, if they do end up with KD, you can move Knox off the bench. Or oh, my God. Even... I, didn't even, I didn't even talk about KD yet. Okay. I mean, that's getting way down the line. Who knows? Like, what, what actually is going to happen, all we know is the stuff that, you know, Begley is reporting and all the other reporters who are saying that uh, the KD to the Knicks is a possibility. Um, but I think Zion is, a, like, that's a match made in heaven. Just in between Knox and KP, the fire that he would bring. Like, could you imagine him throwing down a dunk in the dunk contest at Madison Square Garden um, during All-Star Weekend? Like, um, I think I would probably die. I think I would have a heart attack on the spot, and they would pronounce me dead at, at whatever, 30, uh, 37 years old, 36 years old. He'd bring so much excitement back to the Knicks. Like, KP is unbelievably fun to watch, but Zion's athleticism is once in a generation. And watching that in the biggest stage in the world, um, next to KP and, you know, more developed Knox and the flashes that we see from Frank every game or maybe every other game, whatever you guys want to call it. I think that team is very, very, very scary in the long run. It sounds like what you're saying is, you know, putting KD aside, whether that actually comes to fruition or not. If the Knicks have a chance to get Zion Williamson or Cam Reddish, do they just take Zion Williamson or Cam Reddish and then worry about the fit later? Are these guys, do they have that level of ceiling? Yeah, I think so. And then even like with Mitch, so you bring him off the bench. I'm sure he'd 100% be okay with that, or I'd hope he would be okay with that. Um, he'd be the first big off the bench. He could either come in for KP, and it would be two unbelievably athletic players at the four and the five, or he could come in for um, for Zion, and you move KP to the four. Like having a big three having a front court rotation at the four and the five with those three players. And then maybe Vonley, if he wants to come back or, um, you know, some knocks at the four, there would be some real, real positional versatility there. And I mean, as you said, the whole positionless basketball is the way that the NBA is going. I think, I think Zion fits that to a T and would just last thing, because I know I'm going to get asked this repeatedly throughout the year. Um, as it stands right now, 
because of the issues, I guess, in terms of his lateral quickness on defense and where his shot is or isn't right now, Zion Williamson is not someone who should ever be spending time at the two at the next level, correct? No. I mean, I think he can spend some time at the three. Again, I I think he gets down to about 255 pounds. I would like to see him at 250 because he's had some knee injuries and he had a foot injury in the past. And I can't imagine anyone being 6'6", 280 pounds with his athleticism actually continuing that athleticism more than six, seven, eight years without there's a pretty big drop. So I think it would be a good idea for him to lose the weight now. And if he loses the weight now, you can maybe maybe slot him into the three for a minute or two there. But I wouldn't try it at the two. Gotcha. All right. Um, We have not yet talked about Nasir Little, who I feel like with all the attention that Duke um, is getting and is going to get this year is kind of going to maybe get um, lost a little bit. Um, So talk to us about Nasir Little, um, freshman from UNC. So I actually have him in terms – as of right now, I have him in that second tier. Like, he's right there with RJ Cam and – well, RJ and Cam. Okay. <laughs> I have Zion in a tier to himself. Um, but that's more of a projection. Uh, he loses – so he's really the closest thing to a potential two-way star in this draft. Um, he's incredibly athletic. He is a good on-ball defender who loses his man a bit off of ball, which – that's a focus thing. Who knows if he can actually work on that? I think he can. But he has a massive wingspan. He is incredibly strong. Like, not Zion level strong, but he's still 6'6", like 220 or 225. Um, he could definitely play some two. He can play some three, which is his natural position. He'll be able to play some small ball four. Um, and I've talked to a few people on Twitter who they kind of expected his minutes this year to be down because – He's at UNC, and Roy Williams tends to do this with incoming freshmen, like he did it with Marvin Williams and uh, who I think John Henson. Uh, I don't know, but he's done this in the past with other freshmen. I like Nasir Little's game a lot, and I was just having a conversation before with a few guys on uh, Twitter, and they were asking whether or not I was concerned about his jump shot, and I don't think so. Like I have zero concern because I think the form it needs maybe a little bit of tweaking for the upper body. The biggest thing with him is just getting squared up in the lower body. Okay. But as I said on Twitter, if I were – like if you could actually buy stock in someone uh, and, and one's ability to improve a shot, I'd buy Nas's just because of the form I think for the most part it's like 90% there from the upper body. Like it's squared. It's compact. It's good. Well, if if his defense is as you say, that to me is exciting because I think the Knicks have a chance to really build – you know, as much as obviously offense, you know, is going to win basketball games in 2018 and beyond, I, I think the Knicks have an opportunity to do something really interesting um, and potentially build kind of the the most perfect uh, five-man defensive unit in the game today. And I say that with trepidation because, you know, switching and KP in space out on the perimeter um, – scares me a little bit but i'm gonna sweep that under the rug for a second um and if i'm imagining like the best knicks defensive unit is nasir little part of that part of that group uh best defensive unit yes okay yeah i think so um yeah and i just wish he'd get more minutes like yesterday i think he played 25 minutes the first game he only played like 14 or 15 um 
but I, I'm, I'm a big Mr. Little fan. And if you end up falling to the fourth or fifth, I guess it would be fifth. If, if you fall outside of the first pick in the draft, he is right there with everyone else on your draft board. At least he should be. Okay. Um, let's go. I have two more directions I want to go. Uh, and I'll let's go this way first. Of, and they may overlap a little bit. Outside of the four guys we just talked about, what other players do you think, or maybe I should say how many other players do you think have a chance to jump into that tier below, uh, I guess, Zion in your eyes? Uh, <clears throat> so I guess Quentin Grimes is a good chance. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Jamal Murray. Uh, he's not really a point guard. He's not really a shooting guard. He's a combo with good vision and I, I like his form, even though his I think his name is Kangu on Twitter. He wrote a piece for the Steppy and then actually pointed out that his offhand he flicks the ball with his left thumb and that creates some inconsistency. <laughs> so it's pretty insightful. I like yeah. I like that. I, I never thought of looking at, looking at that before, just because everything else in the shot is picture perfect. So Quentin uh, Grimes, just so everybody knows, freshman Kansas, a uh, yep. little on the shorter side. He's six uh, four. Uh, but you said he's kind of a combo guard. Yep. Yeah, okay. so I like Quentin Grimes. I am a big DeAndre Hunter fan for Virginia. Okay, like, so DeAndre Hunter is the first person we've talked about that uh, played college basketball last year. He's entering his second year. Yep, and I watched his first game, and he looks even bigger than he did last year. He's listed at 6'7", 225. He looked like 6'8", 6'8 and a half, like 235, maybe 240. Um, but he needs a lot of work on offense. He's the guy here who you're hoping develops um, and into a very good two-way player because, man, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a very big DeAndre Hunter fan. What what about, because it sounds like you're excited about him, what about Hunter excites you so much? It's more of his potential, like what he can be because he is so strong and he gets down in a stance. Like, you don't see that very often for even guys, you know, Quentin Grimes, I was watching him play, he kept getting beat back door. He was, he was lazy in the stance. And he is four inches smaller. Hunter really knows that defense is half of the game, and he takes pride in that. And he's active on the glass. Um, he's very team first, and he's playing for Virginia, so that's a very defensive-heavy um, team. So I think coming from that kind of you know, mindset into the NBA, I think that's good. Uh, for at least being a high-level defensive player right off the bat and then taking some time to develop the offense similar to what Kawhi did in San Antonio. Well, uh, that was my next question. What What do you think Hunter's greatest strength, if he continues to develop, will be on the offensive side of the floor? Uh, that's a good question. I don't really think he has one. He has a very, very limited jump shot right now. Like He took one three in the first game. He missed it. He took very few jump shots last year. Uh, so that's definitely a pretty big work in progress he's has a pretty soft touch in the paint so i guess if i had to say his skill coming into the nba and like this year it'd be finishing around the rim um but he's someone who you'd have to take slowly and live with the bumps and bruises and as much as i'd like to see him and frank locking down the one and you know whatever position um hunter ends up playing i don't really think it's that's feasible. I don't think it's going to happen. Gotcha. <laughs> um, okay, so we got Grimes, Hunter. Uh, anybody else uh, that is particularly exciting to you that could jump into that top top part of the draft? 
Yeah, so there are two players. One of them I haven't seen that much just because he played in the Nike EYBL League and that stuff is not synergy. Uh, but Kevin Porter, he's out in... Yes, uh, I'm hearing a lot of Porter buzz already starting this season. So Porter is... He's at USC, right? Yep, okay. yep. Uh, he's shifty, he's athletic, He's he has an inconsistent jump shot, but he's... Like six six two twenty now. Like he has an NBA ready body. He hasn't. He definitely has NBA ready athleticism. It's just showing that he can be a consistent offensive player and cares about defense night in night out. So he would be one of them. And, and again, then, he's kind of a shooting guard, small forward. Your classic yeah. six five wing. Yep. Okay. Um, the last one, I guess. I mean, there are definitely others. Like I love uh, Nas Reed at LSU. I, He's, in my opinion, the most skilled big man in this class, but he's a big man, and I don't see the Knicks drafting a big. Yeah, hold hold that thought. That's going to be my last my last area, but other than him. Yeah, um, so I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Luke Henderson on Twitter because he's been retweeting everything about Romeo Langford, and Romeo is probably the, like the, the tier below the other guys. Like He is a smooth 6'6", three-level scorer uh, who can create a bit out of the pick-and-roll, and he cares about defense the only thing is he's had i think he had a back injury throughout high school which is why he didn't look as athletic as he should have as he uh, as he did before his senior year last year and he's not explosive so those are two issues and i mean we'll see what happens and his his shot from the outside isn't that great yet and i think that's more of a form thing it's like he cocks the ball back all the way in his wrist like he has some absurd it looks like wrist mobility um but romeo is a good romeo is definitely a good name to keep uh to keep in the front of everyone's head from from my albeit um removed view of this stuff it sounds like langford if there's going to be anyone to kind of you know catapult himself towards more towards the top of the draft by the end of the season it it is it going to be him that's kind of the way i'm reading it langford yeah yeah i'd say so i mean either him or um, or Hunter. Those would be my two best bets for the American guys. And then, you know, Sekou Dumbaya, who's playing at uh, uh, Limages this year over in France. He's someone who I've seen somewhere in the top 10. I'm not that high on him. I see him more as like an Alfred Camino type of player. Okay. Um, but I'd say Romeo and Hunter. Okay. Like, and Grimes. Those three names would be the guys who can potentially creep up into that five, six, seven, eight range. Okay. So, um, Last question uh, before we get going, because as I said, we're recording this on Saturday, and the Knicks actually tip off early, early three o'clock start today. Um, you mentioned uh, big man. Um, I f- or I'm already forgetting uh, who you brought up. Yes, uh, Reed. Is there any scenario that you could envision the Knicks being correct to take uh, a big man in this draft? If everyone else, I mean, if, if not if everyone else falls, because it's I feel like that's not doing him justice. He's ridiculously skilled on offense. Like he is Demarcus Cousins esque on offense. And you're talking about Reed now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess it would just be if you fall out of the, you know, the top five guys, and if you have Reed on the same level as the wings, and I like I like doing my draft board by tiers, so. Uh, you know, if you're picking six and if you have two guys, if like one, two, three, four, five, if those guys are all your top two tiers, and then if your tier three is one wing, one big, and then one, you know, point guard, you pick whichever one fits your team best if they're on the same tier. Um, but if 
those guys are gone, then you take a big and, you know, you figure things out later, I guess. Okay. No, I, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting question. Like I, I was getting into a lot of Twitter arguments specifically over Wendell Carter Jr. before the draft happened. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I was a big fan of his game and, and I think we're seeing um, how effective he could be at this level now with Chicago. I think he's had a, a nice start to his, his young career. Um, but I didn't think it wise for the Knicks to draft uh, someone that essentially was going to have to play the five uh, at this level. And that was before they got Mitch. And Mitch is showing himself to be potentially someone, if not, you know, that's going to start for this team long term, at the very least, someone that's going to be able to give you 20 to 25 minutes um, of good time at the center position, hopefully uh, going forward. Um, so that's the only reason I wanted to get your your input on that. Um, okay. Anything else before we go that you want to touch on that we didn't hit? Uh, I mean, I guess just a, cute, a few quick hitting names. Sure. Uh, Bowl Bowl, I know some people are high on. I so, am big man, uh, Manupal's son. He's going to Oregon, seven two center. Yeah, um, I'm lower on him than I guess some other people, and I mean that's totally okay. Uh, he, he looked pretty good his second game, so I actually might start to buy a little bit more stock as a long term prospect, just not for the Knicks. I think Darius Garland is a player. He's a point guard for my alma mater, Vanderbilt. So I'm biased <laughs> in any way there. Little little rooting interest, okay. Yeah, I think he's someone to pay attention to. If the Knicks decide Frank is not a point guard, Garland definitely is. Um, Keldon Johnson, he's same mold, 6'6", strong, long wing for Kentucky. Um, his issue is shooting consistency. Uh, Rory Hachimura, combo forward for Gonzaga. That's the guy that the one guy that you didn't talk about yet who has, is kind of on my radar just because he was talked about, a, like I guess there was a slight chance that he was going to think about coming out last year um so i'm familiar with him you you're i like him you i like do him? okay yeah. um it's just with him it's whether or not his his jumper is going to come around he's a very downhill athlete like he's very aggressive attacking the rim which i like okay um and then there was one more uh so he's an international player and i saw someone point out online that if you liked kevin herder last year as i did then you're gonna like this guy but uh, Davidas Servidis. I'm probably butchering that name. He's, I, I think you did a wonderful job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's he's a six eight uh, shooting guard from Lithuania, and I've just seen highlights of him. I haven't watched any of his games, but the highlights look pretty promising. Okay, some some names to keep an eye on as the season goes on. Um, thank you so much for coming on and giving us this little uh, kind of almost preseason education on the college guys uh we're gonna have you on again uh throughout the year hopefully to kind of check in and see you know which guys are moving uh depending on how the next season goes who specifically maybe the team should start to hone in on um but before we let you go uh anything you want to plug any any name drops anything you want to shout out before we go um, I mean, I'll plug, obviously everyone has to be following Nick's film school and everyone else aboard because if you're not, you're not doing your Nick's fandom a service. Um, I'm sure you guys all are though, if you are listening to this podcast, so goes that saying, um, but I'm going to be doing some draft pieces throughout the season and I started two of them actually, and I'm finishing up the Zion one, but I hit a little snag with the video. So those will be up on Nick's film school. 
And then one last name. I am a huge fan of him. He's not going in the first round. It's very possible he doesn't go in the second round. But Adam Makoka. And he's playing for Mega B Max over in Serbia. Between the name and the team that he's playing for, uh, that I know nothing about other than it's it has the word Mega in it, which I think is cool because I like Mega Man as a kid. Um, I think that's a I think that's a nice way to sign off. Oh, and he played with Frank in the U18s. Oh, even better! Yeah. I want this kid. I don't know anything about him, and I already <laughs> like him. Fantastic. Okay, Spencer, thank you so much for coming on. Um, if you're not already following Spencer on Twitter, you really need to do so because he is dropping knowledge left and right. Um, wonderful videos that he puts out too. He is really one of the most uh, underrated followers on, not even Nick's Twitter, on just NBA Twitter. Uh, and you could follow him at Front Office I on Twitter. So with that, uh, I'm going to go watch the Knicks probably get killed by the Raptors, but um, if I am wrong, then everybody can make fun of me and remind me about it when they listen to this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again soon. Peace out.